seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 227 of Color of Magic, a magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As usual, I am your host, Power Dragon, with my main man, Brian Sonic, all the way down in Texas. How's it going, dude? Episode 227, and there's no place like home. I know, man, 227 was actually an underrated sitcom. Yeah, right. up, up until uh, up until recently, Jack A was the last woman to win a uh, best uh, or last black woman to win best lead actress in a sitcom, which is crazy. But yeah, because that show when when did that go off the air? In like ninety nine? I want to say sometime in the nineties, ninety eight, something like that. Like that that show was a while ago. I think she was best supporting actress, and then Isabel Sanford won best lead actor for the Jeffersons. But yeah, mm. in both cases, it's been thirty some odd years since that happened. Yeah, that was a while ago. Hey, before we get into this episode, I want to tell everybody: if you are watching this, be sure to remember hit the like button and leave a comment. But if you are listening to it, still hit that five star review and leave us a comment. So we show up for some more people to help us out a little bit. That's absolutely free. But this week's episode is going to be pretty interesting. We have some interesting stories. It wasn't like a crazy, heavy news week, but there was a lot of interesting things that popped up. So we're going to cover all that today. But before we get into it, got to tell you, check out our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. Because as usual, you can use code DRAGON and save 5% on your whole nerd order. You ain't even got to get just magic. You can get D&D, Pokemon, whatever you want to pick up. Hell, Lorcana, they have that in stock right now, which has been hard to get. So go get some of that and save 5%. Also, you can go to patreon.com slash color of magic and you can get a shout out just like, and this is the actual person's name in our system, L-M-N-O space P, which is amazing, (laughs) which is amazing. So thank you for being a patron. And of course, you can always pick up merchandise at colormtg.com slash shop. So yeah, let's hop into our main topic here, our main lead story. Which I guess isn't much of a story, but, you know, there was the Hasbro quarterly reports that came out. Like, people like to talk about it because it's a thing, right? And I think it's funny because this feels like more of a thing for Magic players because Magic players tend to be older than a lot of other gamers. So, you know, it becomes more of a talk and and we discuss it a little bit. Plus, Magic players, you know, got together and tried to take over the company. (laughs) It was the last year. Yeah, at least a couple of them. But but interestingly, though, like this was kind of what we expected. I don't think there was anything too surprising in these numbers. You know, like the fourth quarter basically said, like, hey, they made this much money largely because of Baldur's Gate and Lord of the Rings, which we all went. Yeah, we knew Lord of the Rings was selling like hotcakes. Every retailer you talk to, every online website was selling it. And we all know like Baldur's Gate won awards and. You know, everybody has some Baldur's Gate 3 story, it seems like. So, like, we kind of knew. On the other hand, sorry and trouble just not bringing in the dollars like they used to. I mean, but for real, though, like, when was the last time? And I'm a person who plays board games. You know, I have friends that have families that we play games sometimes with their kids or whatever. Like, I don't remember last time I played Sorry or Trouble or... Hell, Mousetrap. Or, yeah. Well, Mousetrap, I think, was Melton Bradley or something. I don't even think that was a Hasbro game. But 
that's kind of the frustrating thing is, okay, yeah, board games are as big as they've ever been, but Hasbro's side of the company is just taking on water. They don't seem to be a part of this whole board gaming revolution that's currently happening. But, but you know what, though? I think part of it is we've evolved from that level of game. You know, now, because if you go play games, people want to play, like, Settlers of Catan or something like that, right? You You want more options or choices in and the again game. they i mean they're a multi-billion dollar company they could they could make some of those games well they, they could just buy some them. of them outright yeah all of yeah. that they they just gotta i guess make that that commitment and of course you know part of that is because you know when you got <laughs> when you got wizards and D bringing in all the money they don't they haven't i guess yet had to really worry about Figuring out why sorry and trouble aren't bringing in the money that they used to. Now, I will say this. They did already say they were changing their focus. They're starting some new initiatives. They did sell off the, what was it, the E1 studio or whatever. They sold that yeah. to, I believe, Lionsgate for like $500 million or something. After so, paying, what, I think, 3 or $4 billion for it. So you, yeah, they, so, you know, they had to, they took their losses on that. Because, you know, COVID destroyed a lot of different studios. So, I'm not going to hit Hasbro too hard for that but it was a, it was a purchase they made that they didn't even make any money on like didn't even get to I don't even think they produced one thing out of it when no, they I bought think it. the Dungeons and Dragons movie I think oh was that it the one thing <laughs> like, yeah that's the irony is not they've had to unload it they finally had their biggest hit and yeah so they got one thing out of the studio they bought right and they had hammered so much money that at that point they just kind of had to be rid of it yeah so that that's the tough part there but they did say, you know, here's a reason we had some losses. Here's how we recoup some money. You know, adjusted down slightly for the year 2025, 2024, I believe. Because, again, them having to tell shareholders, like, look, we had an all-time banger in the Lord of the Rings set. Like, it crushed every single metric. Like, we probably aren't going to have that again in 2024. Now, who knows? Maybe get lucky, but I doubt it. Like, that's not going to be a thing. I you know, for sure could possibly do that and it's a thematic fit is conan it's swords and sorcery they go together the reason yeah. fallout or final fantasy may not do that is because there's a lot of people that are going to be turned off because it's fallout and final fantasy and it doesn't technically fit but lord of the rings was a perfect thematic fit for magic the gathering you know i will say final fantasy has potential yeah, there's I'll a lot least, of magic in the Final Fantasy universe. I'll, I'll at least give it that. It has, And it has a big crossover fan base. So there's a chance. I don't think that it will, but it probably won't, like, it won't be a crushing second place. You know, it, it'll probably be within shooting distance. But you're, I just don't think you're going to trump that. And then the other side of that is D&D had a huge push because of Baldur's Gate 3, right? And, like, we're not going to have another Baldur's Gate 3 this year. Like, you just aren't. It took them four or five years to make the last one. Like, right. you're you just, just, like, just do like Madden. Just make Baldur's Gate 3 every year. Just make a Baldur's Gate every year. Just crank that out annually. Yeah, you can't do it. And because Baldur's Gate, I don't think people realize this. I think they said, <clears throat> excuse me. I believe they said they had to, like, there was a hundred and, was it 170 hours of recorded dialogue for that game? Good God. Something like that. Either 140 yeah. or 170. Either way. It was a very large amount of hours just for all the voice lines and the story and whatever that had to be recorded. And then you're talking about having to develop all those different areas and all the different characters. And so, like, they did a ton of work and it paid off, obviously, you know, to whatever. Would they make like $700 million and counting? So, like, 
totally worth it. Like it, you know, game of the year and just about every every place that hands out game of the either nominated or won every place that, that hands out some kind of an award for that. Yeah. Now, I will say the follow up to that was we saw this week they did also talk about having two universes beyond releases a year, and that's just going to be the norm now. Which, okay, I mean, technically last year we had two anyway. Because we had the the uh, Doctor Who stuff that came out, right, in the back quarter of the year. So, I mean, like, all right, fine. That just becomes our new normal. I think people are, like, don't be wrong, it's, it's more cards. I mean, so that's going to be a thing. But we were going to get that this year anyway, right? Because in a couple of weeks, we've got the Fallout thing that's going to happen. And then we'll have whatever the summer set, uh, was that Final Fantasy or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Anyway, so... Eh, we sort of knew this was coming. I think it's just like to hear them officially say it had people kind of up in arms a little bit. And I don't think anybody really thinks that if Universes Beyond keeps printing money that they necessarily stop it too. They're going to find whatever whatever the market's going to bear is is what they're going to do. I would not be surprised to see sometime in the early winter spring we get some commander-based thing for a smaller set. Whether it's like you know, like we're doing with Fallout, maybe Assassin's Creed, something like that, then the summer is where you get your big releases. You know, we're talking like the Lord of the Rings, Final Fantasy, Marvel, whatever. And then in the fall slash winter months to close the year, you get some other commander set, right? I could see that being a real thing. Yeah. Like if we were to go to three a year, that would not surprise me. Just two being smaller commander sets and one being a full yearly set. Like, and they would probably all sell. That's yeah. that's the crazy part. And yeah. I think what you also have to trust Hasbro to not do, which I don't think probably anybody does, is okay, yeah, we just saw we, we saw the numbers Lord of the Rings did. Doctor Who did good numbers. Now we have our established magic set in uh in uh, Murders at Karloff Manor that right now looks like it's not doing so well. So what do you trust Hasbro to not just go like, okay, hey, that that could have been a that that could have been a fallout. What happened here? You know, no, I I think having been inside the walls, like I think there's just gonna be a retrospective because there's always like a follow up retrospective meeting, you know, good, bad, whatever. And honestly, I think this had a lot working against it. I think the timing after a couple of like major hits in a row was rough because remember we came off Lord of the Rings, we had Wilds of Eldraine that was well received. We had Ixon that was super well-received. You had the Doctor Who set that was super well-received. Eventually, something wasn't going to be, and it just sucks to be you, Karloff Manor. I mean, like, I mean, like, you had basically four bangers in a row. Something eventually was not going to hit the same. But as a stockholder, you're going to go, hey, if, if that had been Fallout or Final Fantasy or something, because as of yet, none of those really have missed. Yeah, but, but I'd also would say... I would see how the rest of this year goes because I think there's more people that are looking forward to uh, Outlaws at Thunder Junction, you know, because I think it's just, okay, here's a whole new world. The Western theme seems interesting. There's a lot of cool tropes you can work in. Hell, I'll probably be one of the creators doing a bunch of dumb stuff in a cowboy hat and whatever, you know, like I think there's just more you can do with it, right? Even from a promotion perspective, like, Hell, you know how I bet you when the time comes, they're probably gonna get one of the dudes from Yellowstone or something to do some stuff yeah, on social probably. media. You know what I mean? Like, you can't really do anything with Carlisle Manor. Like, 
I mean, you you could have. You know, I you mean, could've what could, we could have had like iced tea, you know, like from SVU or to Sherlock. Be- Benedict Cumberbatch absolutely probably would have done this for enough money. Probably. Or if you can't get him, you could have at least got Martin Freeman. Yeah, there you you know. Go. I was gonna say because Cumberbatch, he might have wanted too much just to even do the promo, and you you may not get your money back on that they, one. Then but. you get what? Or heck, how many people have played Sherlock Holmes at this point? You could have got one of them. That's true. If you could have got them. Benedict Cumberbatch, you could have got the one I forget the actor's name, but the guy that was Sherlock on CBS. I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah, on, what was that? Him. Watson or whatever the show was. Yeah. yeah, you you can get somebody. You can get that guy. But mm-hmm. but the problem though, I just think, and you know, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Like it was just. You did Ravnica without doing Ravnica. You know, it wasn't about the guilds. It wasn't about the big guild leaders. You know, the stars of the show were characters that were either new or lesser known. So just kind of like, eh. It's like, I mean, it's like if you took a vacation to New York, but you never left your cousin's house. You know, you didn't go see the Statue of Liberty. You didn't go see the Empire State. But you didn't do anything cool. You stayed at one house the entire time. You yeah, didn't but see it was, New it York. was like... We built this around the detective Proft or whatever his name is, who was a brand new character that nobody knew anything about. And right? nobody probably cared anything about because he's brand your, new. Your killer was one third of the Trostani package. It wasn't even like Trostani as a trio yeah. did a villainous thing, right? It, so it, It's like the murder victim. I didn't know who they were. I didn't care. When, Tristani, yeah, I, so, when you told me who it was, oh, yeah, okay, the person that's like, a, 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 tri- a triumvirate or whatever. Yeah, okay. And then I remembered them, but yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, see, that I'm was a writer, kind of, and I wouldn't have picked them to be friends. Yeah, that was sort of my issue. Like, everything was based around lesser-known things. And if you're going to go back to a world like that, I think you have to say, okay, let's at least make the major players people that the fans care about, right? Yeah. Like, even if, like, maybe you kill off a major character, so we care, right? Like, and now we're like, okay, well... We know in the story, this person hated this person and this person hated this person. So now you're more invested or the killer is somebody maybe you didn't suspect, but it is a name character. And then there's a story reason why or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, It's a murder mystery. You got to be killing off somebody that we've either the murder, either the victim or the murderer needs to be somebody that we know. And dude, and really you know how about. easy it would have been for me to like, OK, let's make it the Azorius because they're like the, the cops of the. Abnica or whatever, right? They're helping solve it, but then maybe they're working with the Orzov because the Orzov work with all the spirits and everything else, and maybe Kaya gets involved and like, okay, you could write that where it's interesting, and now people are invested. But I think it just between the timing, people having spent a bunch of money, like the set's still going to sell and it's still going to do okay. It's just not going to be a big hitter, and it's just yeah, the way it is. My favorite conspiracy theory I've heard about this, and it doesn't even really sound like a conspiracy theory. It's just like, hey, you know. We just went to New Capenna. We got a bunch of 1920s aesthetic stuff. Let's do it. Let's do a film noir set. You know, we ain't got to buy too much new art for this, really. I mean, honestly, this could have been better set in Capenna. Yeah, you know, with like the whole mob boss background and all right? that stuff, like cops and robbers. Here you go. Yeah, it, it would have been a better setting. I'm not now that I'm now that you said that. I'm like Capenna would have been great. I don't really even know why we chose Ravnica over Capenna as the backdrop. I mean, maybe they thought, you know, ooh, you know, people love Ravnica, but they didn't realize that the guilds are the thing that people I mean, because think about it. How easy would it have been to try to, like, frame Ob Nixilis or something? Right. And then you find out it wasn't him at all, and it was somebody else, and it's like, okay, cool, there's your whole story just built in. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what they do on TV shows. If you're going to... 
if you're gonna have a murder mystery, even if the man, because let's say, okay, the star of the show isn't gonna commit murder unless sure. it's you know a Breaking Bad style show. So you frame them, then oh wait, it's not really the star of the show; it's this other person. But you spent the whole show having like let's say it's Mister. Every detective show has had some time where the the star of the show with Matlock or whoever Sherlock, where they're accused of murder, then they got to go clear their own name. This is a case where like Jace or Garuk or somebody could have been clearing their yeah. own name. So you're investing. You oh, did Jace kill somebody? No, it was this other person. It was Crostani. That's how that could have worked. Like okay, no, you could have played up. Jace still has like some of the the Phyrexian crap in his head, messing with right. him or whatever. Like could have been a bunch of things, right? That's the thing because like obviously when they when they do this on TV or in the movies, you know you have to. You had to say exactly the main character had an evil twin or they're possessed yeah, by somebody. Yeah. In magic, there are so many ways to get the main character off of the hook. I wish it had been one of the main characters. Could have been parallel universe Jace, or like you said, could have been still per- possessed by the Phyrexians or any number of things to where the, the murderer or the first person suspected of the murder is a main character and then again uh, there's a million author saving throws to get them out of this at the end yeah and you know not to be a bunk car of matter too much like the set's fine the cards are actually neat and enjoyable and it's made magic and standard interesting so that's good i just don't think people were invested in it is the thing but i will say throughout this year we do know there's another modern horizon set coming and each of those last two have sold well so people aren't expecting any different with that one Again, we have our universes beyond stuff that's going to come out. We have Thunder Junction. So, like, there's some stuff that's just going to be different and interesting, and people already seem kind of interested. So we'll see where this year goes. And our next two universes are Fallout and, I guess, it's Final Fantasy, the next one after Fallout? I think so. Okay. And, I, and I will say this, too. Like, D&D does at least have 5th edition coming. However, their 5th edition is going to carry over a lot of the same rules. I think it's just going to get a different update some present presentation stuff or whatever so they will have some extra book sales and stuff they didn't have the year before so that'll help the numbers i mean you're not going to hit the baldur's gate three seven hundred million numbers but you know you might make 200 million 300 million off of it that's that's the other frustrating thing is okay you see how well they're able to do dungeons and dragons and video games and then magic did the long anticipated dungeons and dragons set and just didn't really nail it which is a shame. Yeah, but I think that had the issue of timing because it was, I think it was originally supposed to come out the same time the movie was, but the movie ended up being delayed because, you know, theaters and COVID and all that stuff. But Baldur's but the, Gate didn't need the movie because it was so well done. Yeah, but I, but I think the set was already in place and there was just no connection. Because what we saw is after Baldur's Gate came out, you know, the video game and everything else... Because at no point back. during this has Dungeons and Dragons stopped being popular. Dungeons no, and Dragons is still doing. But I'm saying, but people went back and started wanting more cards from that set. Once they started getting more familiar with D and D, and more people came in the loop, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I like Carlac in in Baldur's Gate. Now I want the Carlac card." And we saw several of the cards spike as more people came in the loop and more people played Baldur's Gate. So timing for tying in the products does really matter when you're doing some crossover stuff like that. And as we've seen with universes beyond, most of them have been around the time there's a new thing or some big news around that product. You know, we talked about that on a previous show. So there's something to that to let everybody benefit. And if, but everybody's got to hit their marks. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, a time into all that. The party mechanic came out and they were, I guess they were going to use that ever again. <laughs> it's just yeah. dead mechanic. You know? So it's, it's a weird thing for sure. 
But let's move on and hop into the soapbox because there's a couple of interesting things this week. And this is kind of almost like a positive rant, if there's a such a okay. thing. Yeah. But for all the people that are saying, like, ah, standard's dumb and nobody plays standard in paper and they only play online and whatever. Like, we've talked about it before. You Because of the pandemic, like, you had to move to a world where there's a motivation to play standard again, right? Like, there has to be a reason for you to go to a store and want to play standard. Like, when there weren't tournaments and there weren't things to qualify for, like, why are you going to build standard decks? When Especially under the old standard, when stuff was going to rotate in two years. Like, you'd build the right. thing, and by the time you get to play with it again, you may only be playing with it for three or four months. Because all that time got lost to COVID. Right. I mean, that's a real thing. Now you're like, okay, we got a three year standard. Even whatever you, if you build something right now, even the oldest cards ain't going to rotate till September, October. So you got time, right? People don't feel bad buying cards right now. We've talked about sites having a hard time building some decks. A lot of cards are selling out. So it means people are buying them again. And then I recently started going to some local stores. I'm like, okay, let me build a standard deck. Let me go see what this is all about. And while the crowds have been small, people are starting to put stuff together. There's people coming over asking questions and people like, oh, yeah, I started putting together a standard deck. I plan to play next week or the following week after I get some cards in the mail. Right. So there is interest there, even for just the standard. I think they're calling it the standard showdown stuff. Now, I will say this. that's weird about standard showdown is the promos aren't standard legal. That is bizarre. Yeah, I don't Now, It's interesting because. To participate, I believe, we got, at each of the stores I went to, there was a, a a land, a full art land, which isn't that unique because we put full art lands in every set now, but they were some type of lands that are themed to the current set or something, like some story-based thing. But they were cool. They were pretty. They were free. Whatever. But then you had a secondary one for playing in the Standard Showdown where one was uh, one of the cards that makes dragons cost less, but it's not standard legal. But it had really cool artwork. It had the Chinese kind of uh, celebration dragon style sort of art to it that was a little anime-ish. And then if you won that day, which fortunately I won one of them, uh, I got a Sarkin Planeswalker, which is also not standard legal, but it had a similar style art and it was all tied to the Year of the Dragon and, you know, that whole thing. So it was kind of cool. Would have been nicer if they were standard legal things that people could play with and then show off when they play other things and, you know, whatever. And that's been brought up on some of the private groups with Wizards. Uh, I can tell you that. It's already been a discussion. So probably the next season will more likely have standard legal stuff. I think their idea was people who don't currently play standard might be interested in having some of these cards, and that would draw them into play. But the reality is people playing standard want cool stuff to pimp out their standard decks so like, or to trade to other people playing standard that they will see at those events. So, like, yeah, just give them the opportunity to get standard stuff. But honestly, I will say this. Players were positive. People were cool just wanting to try their new cards that they picked up or whatever. I'm not going to say, like, it totally felt like old standard times, you know, whatever. We're not there yet. But it was cool. It, it, it did what it's intended to do so far. Some people were prepping decks to practice for the RCQs coming up locally. There was one I was going to try to hit up before the Super Bowl on Sunday, but, you know, it was Super Bowl Sunday, so that one didn't make. Just a couple of us showed up. <laughs> but So I kind of expected that on Sunday. But, hey, you know, people are at least getting stuff going. Local stores are trying. I say if you got the cards or the time, put together a standard deck. Go to your local spot. Try it out. 
It's actually not bad. So you can, and right now, you can play pretty much anything in standard. There's good aggro decks. There's good control decks. There's good combo decks. There's good mid-range decks. So go wild, man. Have some fun. It's worth it. There you go. That's my positive rant for the week, if there is such a thing. But you have a pretty interesting thing you uncovered, so let's talk about that. Yeah, one of the narratives we hear when a project fails, be it a movie, video game, whatever, is, you know, oh, well, it failed because it was too woke. You know, it, it was it, it was preaching to people. It was doing too much. Turns out a recent, a recent survey from GLAD says that about 17% of the people that they talk to that consider themselves to be gamers identify as, as some part of the LGBTQ spectrum. Now, Again, 17% of people that play video games. But in terms of the actual games, the number of, of gay characters that you see, that number is only 2%. So contrary to what seems to be a, a, a popular belief, we are not drowning in gay characters. There are still very few, especially when you talk about the main character of the game, criminally few gay characters up front. And oh, sure. When you think about how many RPGs there are where you'll, you'll talk to 200 characters during the course of the game and, and none of them are, are openly gay. Or mo- how many multiplayer shooters there are where you may have over the course, th- th- there may be a hundred different champions in the game and there's not two or three that identify as, as any matter any of, of gay LGBTQ. It's, it's kind of bizarre. Even if you go look for that, the U.S., population about seven percent of people identify themselves as gay so not only is it not you know taking over the 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 video game industry we're not even where the actual population of most countries is in terms of gay representation so no gaming has not gone too woke gaming really is so so many of our games especially the the triple a games that we see all over the place are not woke at all if you're talking about gay representation well yeah but you know and people might say well why is it 17 percent in gaming or whatever like let's be honest a lot of those other numbers are underreported yeah because if you if you're in the closet you're not gonna you're not gonna out yourself for a kotaku article oh i I, straight up i tell you if i live down south and somebody was interviewing for a thing i I ain't telling you like i I ain't getting outed because you had a work project. Like that ain't. <laughs> so you know the numbers are underreported. Yeah, I, I. But you know, I think that applies to a lot of things. This is what a lot of people have been saying when it comes to representation, right? Is that when you look at even just racial diversity, we're talking about blacks, you know, religious diversity. We're talking about like Muslims, you know, whatever, Hispanics, whatever it is. Those aren't represented to the proportionate numbers that you even see in the U.S. So true. You know, when you're talking about some of those make anywhere between 7% to as much as 30%, you know, of the population. And those aren't represented. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we just don't have representation for a lot of things. Yeah. And we've seen Overwatch, we've seen Overwatch fall to both of those categories because they are one of the few games and possibly the only one where Tracer, who is the cover star of Overwatch is gay. It's been confirmed in some of the comic books and other things that they've done. We have actually seen her girlfriend. It's not just something that's talked about. We have have actually met her significant other. Soldier 76, who is one of the most popular characters, is gay. And again, his his love interest has been shown in comic books and other Overwatch media. And, you know, for the people who say, like, ah, we don't need all this work, like, 
one, it gives people somebody to relate to, to play that's like has a background similar to theirs, whatever. But it doesn't affect the gameplay. Like, you can have those things and still have the game you want, right? Like, there's people right now who probably didn't even know the backstory we're talking about on some of these exactly. characters. And they've been playing the games just fine. Yeah, like, you know they what I mean? On, they spend their hour a night, you know, playing with their friends. They don't, you know, they haven't read the comic books. They yeah. don't know the lore. They, said they don't need to know the lore. But if yeah. you actually fall into one of these categories, it means the world to you to see a gay character in the game. Because I said the Overwatch fell down on, you know, a positive side in, in this aspect, but then it took them, what, six or seven years to put a black woman in the game. So even a game that prides itself on being diverse, it took forever for us to get a black female character. And again, black women make up, make up I, I, I'm sure what at least what 20, probably to 30% of the United States population. Well, we, we've also talked about this before, though, just in general, people like to people are drawn to things where they are represented right i've had people and i've talked about it before that if probably once or twice a month send me a message even on youtube or on twitter or whatever of just oh man it's cool seeing somebody that looks like me or oh i had somebody that was excited because i was a black dude who played magic and was into wrestling like right? that specific like they, you know they were like man i thought i was like the only one and you know they were like excited so yeah, it matters, man. I get it to people who say like, oh, it doesn't really, it's not that big a thing. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it it does matter. Now, to me, does it matter as an individual? Not hugely, but there is a thing to be said about if I don't see anything that calls to me or anybody who looks like me, I do have to assess if that space is safe. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's going to keep me out necessarily, but I do have to double check some things because I'm like, why are there no people that look yeah. like me? It's like, right? was there a memo I didn't get? <laughs> you know, sometimes that's the case, though. You find out they're like, oh, we were pushed out a while ago. Yeah, and I'm just late to the party. Yeah. Like, so maybe I shouldn't be here, you know? So it does cause you to pause, especially again, coming from Texas where there's still some sundown towns. Like, there have been some things I've had to double check when I find a new location for an event or something. I'm like, hold up. Let me look up some history to see if I need to be here after seven o'clock. Cause that's real, you know, like that, that's a thing that happens, but it's cool to have those studies out there though. I really do think it's like just to raise awareness, to get people thinking, you know, if nothing else, but all right, let's talk about what we learned this week because uh, there was an interesting and a bizarre story this week if you want to call it that. So I'll let you start. Yeah, as I've been talking about, you know, obviously this is Black History Month, but I talk about this game all the time and this storyline all the time because uh, MLB The Show uh, in last year in uh, 23 did uh, Negro League storylines, highlighting some of the players that, uh, some of the best players that ever played, but they, because of the racism of the time, in many cases, never got the opportunity to play Major League Baseball. Or in the case of, Guys like Satchel Page, they got there, but they were almost 60 years old at that point. And uh, they, they're starting to reveal some, they are confirmed they are doing the Negro League storylines again this year because, as they mentioned, there are so many players who you've never heard of in all likelihood because you didn't learn about this in school. It's not something that probably is talked about every night on your regular baseball broadcast. And uh, one of the, the players going to be in there this year, and again, I'm somebody that loves baseball, baseball history. I just found out about this. A lady named Tony Stone. Yes, a lady played professional baseball 
for the Indianapolis Clowns in the Negro League, and she's going to be in MLB The Show, and she will be the first woman ever to be a playable character in MLB The Show. So that's, that's pretty cool. Right? And Because, again, just, just imagine. Cause I think I said she was 32 when she got to, got, got to Indianapolis, and at that point had been playing organized baseball in some form since she was 16 years old. Imagine doing that at a time when most men aren't allowed to play Major League Baseball, you know, along uh, alongside their, their white peers. So just mind-blowing. Again, I had never heard of her before now. Can't wait to get that game. Can't wait to, to use her as a playable character. Just super excited about that. And I cannot tell you enough how well these storylines are done. One of the, the best story modes I've seen in any sports game, and I play almost all of them sooner or later. You know, one of the wild things I think that people don't consider about that time period is even after, you know, the racial barriers are broken down, we don't really know what or how good some of those players could be because a lot of their early career isn't covered and doesn't count toward the, the, I guess what we'll call the archive stats, right? Like they don't, they don't really fall into those numbers. I mean, I was just reading something today about uh, Ichiro who, for those of you who don't play baseball, he played for the Seattle Mariners. Crazy thing, he got his third professional hit in the league on his, like, 10th at-bat. So, you know, had the 300, which is kind of like the standard. If you hit 300, you're a good hitter in baseball. Never went below that after that hit. Like, how crazy is that? And he didn't start playing professional, I believe, until, like, 32 when he came to MLB. Which is great. So imagine what his career would have been. Like, he's still one of the all-time hits leaders. Imagine what he would have been if he got to play professional U.S. Major League Baseball at, you know, 22 or 23, like a lot of these guys. And I just found, I just heard this this story about Ichiro, where apparently he said, you know, A-Rod, I guess uh, A-Rod had his number, and he gave his number to somebody else at Ichiro, you know, because he apparently didn't follow a lot of the other American sports. I had no idea who this guy was. Yeah, some guy called me, said he wants to learn my stretching routine so he can, you know, incorporate it into his exercise routine. And the, Who's Tom Brady? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that's the thing, like how it's amazing how disconnected everything can be, even within the same spheres. Yeah. You know, and especially, again, like you're talking about that time period where, racism still a big thing like you know hell i there was an interview just this week on shaq's podcast where i think uh, not wilt chamberlain god who was it that he had on there one of the other old ball players and he was talking uh, dr j it was julius Irving, and he was talking about how even then being julius Irving in the nba like he still couldn't go drink from the same water fountains as people which is my, because that's what we're talking about the 1970s at that point. Yeah, like how crazy is that? Like a dude who is an alt, like even for the time period was considered great at the thing he did, was on national TV for the few games they did televise, like still was treated that way. I'm like, that's mind blowing. Household name. And, I'm and, one of those people, even if you didn't know what basketball was, you knew who Dr. J was just by seeing him do commercials and other TV shows. And, and dude, the stories he's talking about are only like five or six years before I was born. You know what I mean? So when we think about like racism being a thing of the past, it's like, no, this was, this is still people living right now still had to deal with that. You know, we talk about Ruby Bridges 
who was attacked as a little girl you know, for being trying to go to an integrated school for the first time. She's barely like 64. She's barely going to be able to collect Social Security soon. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. So when people think like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. It's like, no, like people's grandparents are still around that had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's, that's Chris Rock jokes. Depending on what black people got rights, depending on what time your area decided they wanted to act right. That's basically it. For real. Forget I was from Louisiana. I was born in, it, it, they've changed the name since, but I was born at Confederate Memorial Hospital. Bro, there's still an area up here called White Center. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the name of the area. And I was like, we got a white settlement in Texas. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, you know. that's crazy. Fortunately, had- it's at least pretty cool. I've been there. It's all right. But like, they're just stuck on keeping the name. So it's like, all right. Yeah, your cool. white settlement had an election because they were trying to explain to people just from an economic development standpoint, we, we are losing money hand over fist. There are people who won't build here because the name makes people uncomfortable. Now, nope. It's part of our heritage. We want to keep being a white settlement. Okay. Keep missing. Keep fumbling the bag, basically. Yep. It's, that's real. Keep not getting restaurants and, and movie theaters and things built here because... You but but I think it's cool, something. you know, when you have something like MLB doing these, I don't know, I guess you call them like a historic retrospective in a way built into the game. It's kind of cool just to teach people about stuff that they wouldn't find out otherwise. And again, uh, if you listen to the show the last few weeks, we mentioned it, but go listen to Black Diamonds. It is one of the coolest podcasts for even if you're not into sports, like just to understand the time period and what people dealt with and whatever like such a cool listen like go check it out for sure now this one this one i'm gonna even have to read off the site because like there there were some weird things that happened but we've talked about e3 before and about how it was already kind of struggling and didn't really have a vision anymore and whatever and then covid hit and they just struggled to kind of get back on their feet and then eventually they said e3 is just not going to be a thing because we can't figure out how to get it fired off again. Well, for whatever reason, <laughs> this was on the ninth. So, so I, this is weird to even say out loud, but Taco Bell basically did a presentation like Apple and Microsoft do mixed with like an E3 style award show. Like <laughs> somebody at Taco Bell said, Hey, you know, that style of award show presentation that's been conclusively proven to not work very well. We should do one of those. <laughs> it was weird, though, because they had, like, weird awards, and then they were, like, canned well, laughter and applause yeah, and all, like, the, again, all the worst parts. Oh, and it had the, for real, like, when you watch the Google present, like, the big wide screen or whatever, they had that going on. Like, they were, like, oh, well, let's peek behind the curtain and into a test kitchen or whatever that was. Right? It was, like, who asked for this? Like Nobody. It was such a weird, hey, and you know, I'm all for trying new things. I really am. Like, sometimes you got to think outside. But it was also weird because Taco Bell was already rolling out a bunch of new items, and they, like, previewed those, I think, like, leading up to the Super Bowl or whatever, which those are already, some of those are kind of random. Like, some dude at Jack in the Box decided to get with some dude at Taco Bell and, like, hey, here's how y'all could really make some money with all that stuff y'all have. So, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still going to try them because, you know, it's Taco Bell. We'll see if they're any good. But. 
it was weird, man. Like a triple decker taco, yeah. <laughs> like some yeah, just yeah, like, a crunch wrap with a giant cheese it in the middle of it. Yeah, like I'm like, who came up with like? And it, not gonna lie, triple decker taco, I'm still gonna throw down on. Yeah, I'm gonna eventually. I make fun of it. I'm gonna try the crunch wrap cheese it at least. The one. thing is, I'm gonna try it, but I'd rather that just be a layer of actual cheese. I don't know if I need a a crunch wrap size cheese it in the middle of my crunch wrap secret menu i'm sure you can probably just get that other layer yeah it's such a weird thing man i don't know i'm gonna get get in trouble for bashing these because in addition to you know all the other people out of work with them not doing e3 you know these these uh i can't even say d list probably f what's the bottom whatever the, the the lowest tier of working actors is that's where i would be at and they do a bunch of trade shows because there's always somebody being zombies for Call of Duty. Yeah. Or if you happen to look like Mario or whatever video game character. So, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for speaking out against these trade shows. But just in terms of promoting stuff, there's a reason that E3 isn't happening anymore. Those, those just don't work. But Taco Bell decided to go in and, and, and have a taco E3. Yeah, they just... I mean, it's an interesting way to try to roll out new items and stuff, I guess. So, you know, but the amount they had to have spent on that presentation was huge to put all that together. So, I I mean, maybe it pays off. I mean, we're talking yeah, about it. it you I, was, know. I was literally about to say, you know, we were not going to be talking about Taco Bell in any other aspects. So maybe they know what they're doing. But I mean, the fact that they even did like, this was the best Taco Bell wedding or whatever. You know, like there was some weird stuff, man. I'm like, it, and to their credit, if you're going to do it and you're going to be tongue in cheek, just go all the way, you know, because if you did it and you tried to be super serious, it would have been stranger and probably would have put more people off. At least this way, you're like just owning it. Just saying like, we're going to make this as weird and awkward as possible. We're just going to Taco Bell it up completely. I know you ain't getting E3, but here's a cool food-related style thing, and maybe this scratches that itch for you. I think, if anything's more surprising, it's that it was almost unannounced. It was just kind of like, hey, Taco Bell's going to be streaming tomorrow. Like, They tried to do a Beyonce. Hey, Taco Bell got a new album, y'all. Come on in. Yeah, it was like, well, what's Taco Bell going to put up tomorrow? We already saw them talk about their new item. Like, what what is this going to be about? And then it was like this whole thing, and everybody didn't even, like, people didn't even know what to think when it was done. Because I think people went in not ex- not even knowing what to expect and just got completely twisted up in the whole thing. Nobody was expecting, you know, a Taco Palooza or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, by the way, Beyonce got a country song. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I guess you probably heard that a lot of country stations don't want to play it for, you know, reasons. Well, of course. So we're but, back but dude, the whole... I ain't gonna lie, it was kind of good. Well, I mean, it's Beyonce. So. <laughs> I mean, like... You knew Beyonce wasn't going to put out nothing bad, especially for country, because she already knew she was going to face some problems. Billy Ray Cyrus, where you at? We need Billy Ray Cyrus deployed again to get the white stage. Also, we had like, I think three or four people drop some music from the Super Bowl. I think uh, Kanye had a big thing to go nuts on Spotify. So like, yeah, there was there was a few things. So Kanye still exists. Yeah, that was that was kind of my thought, too, but. Hey man, Eddie, crazy week. Eddie, Eddie wonders why he can't get any venues, bruh. You, yeah. You just, <laughs> people don't forget anti-Semitism very quickly. Sorry, bro. Well, yeah, let's get in some topics because we have some quick hitters to get through before we wrap things up. All right, this one's easy. 
we talked about it last week, how MagicCon Chicago was almost sold out. And apparently within a couple hours after us finishing recording, it sold out. So if you don't have tickets to Chicago, maybe you got to hit up your friends, see if somebody's not able to go anymore. You can scalp some of their tickets, whatever. Because have we really reached the point where people are scalping MagicCon tickets? That's where we are. I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Chicago to sell out no, in I February. You know, but here we are. It, it, it goes on next week and completely sold out, according to everything, which is cool because there's a lot going on. If you want to get Amsterdam tickets, those are on sale. And I'm not saying a bunch of us going to travel to Amsterdam, but if you I listen to say, us it's from there. Chicago sold out. Amsterdam still. You know what the Amsterdam Tourism Bureau is looking like? Oh, I guarantee you. I, you know what? I think Amsterdam's going to sell out too, though, but more yeah, because it's so. such a rarity for Magic to have a thing there. You know, like it's the uniqueness. Of, it's it's the AEW and Wembley. You know, like it's it's that thing. And like I was talking about, you know, going to Ravnica, just going to one house, a bunch of nerds about to go to Amsterdam. What'd you do? I played Magic. Yep. <laughs> for real. Well, to be yeah, fair, if you live in about. 35-ish, I think, percent of the U.S. It's not an issue anymore anyway, so you don't have that motivation to go to Amsterdam. Still. (laughs) But yeah, it's pretty crazy, though. I mean, again, when we come back and talk about, you know, people saying magic's dying and Wizards is killing it and this, that, and the other, you know, this kind of comes back to even what we talked about with their earnings reports. You know, they technically they had all that bad news in the beginning of the year for D&D, the numbers show that the average person doesn't care. Like as much as we're in our bubble and we're connected and we're super enfranchised and we see the stuff on Twitter and on Facebook and whatever, at the end of the day, the average person doesn't know about any of that. And they don't care about any of that. They just want to get their books, get their adventures. They're going to play at home with their friends. They want to get their magic cards, get the new commander decks, go play with their cousin, brother, wife, whoever they game with. Right. They, they're not going and doing all this other stuff. Like that's just the way it is. And you're seeing that with magic. Like, people can say, ah, I'm tired of Wizards and this decision, that decision. But then shows are selling out in big cities and big venues. You know, like, it's just what it is. I mean, people can try to say what they want, be mad about what they want. But, like, the end result is you don't make one and a half billion dollars with people hating your stuff and not buying it. Right? Like, they just those two things don't go hand in hand. So, credit to them for finding a way to make it work. No, the gaming is totally, we hate it, but we still buy it. Yeah. Dude, it's like we said before. You can complain all you want, but if you're handing them $20 yeah, bills while you're complaining, yeah, your complaint don't matter. <laughs> like, it's just, you, you ain't, your complaint don't mean nothing. It's just falling on deaf ears. You're like, ah, man, I hate this, but I got to have that next thing. You know, like, it's like, I mean, has anybody determined what our number is in terms of co- how much money they're making? Just off of content creators? Because if you or I wanted to quit playing Magic, we couldn't. If I wanted to stop playing Madden, I couldn't have built a YouTube channel around it. I mean, I could, but I'm sure I helped them make money by doing right? what I'm doing. No doubt. Yeah, your channel would take a hit in the short term while you oh, yeah, figure yeah. out what else you were going to talk about. For sure. And I'm not going to lie, it's also why I have my toes in a few other things. I got a little review channel. I got something out there with my animals and stuff on it. So, like... I can pivot. <laughs> like I, I, I have an exit strategy. <laughs> like, hey, just saying. I, you know, you gotta have plans. Which, by the way, if you haven't checked that, I guess some people are just hearing about this actually. But if you do want some fun reviews of different products, foods, whatever, check out Power Dragon reviews. It's a real thing. 
Uh, yeah, so here's some other interesting video game news. And actually, I'm going to put these two together because we heard a little bit from both Sony and from Microsoft this week. Uh, the first thing being that Sony has basically said they're not going to have any new exclusive releases really this year that are exclusive to PlayStation as they're starting to set the PlayStation 5 to its end of life cycle. Now, I don't think that means we're getting a new system, probably till at least 2025, but kind of like, hey, just so y'all know, this is coming. You know, like give everybody a heads up. It takes five or six years to do really good PlayStation or really good video games of any kind. And they've already given us, you know, Horizon, Spider-Man, Kratos, Ratchet and Clank. Those are the big guns and they've already fired all of them. In the same way that we're probably not going to get another huge Zelda game, probably the Switch's lifestyle. Yeah, we probably not. Get, we might get one more Mario game just because Mario has does 15 different things. Mario plays soccer, he, but there, there may not be a Super Mario Odyssey type. Yeah, game. probably not another like Mario Kart, but you'll probably get like another Mario Party, you know. But, but generally, I mean, people kind of panicked a little bit when they heard that, but the reality is... PlayStation seems to be on a five to seven year cycle for each of their systems anyway. So that kind of makes sense. And to be fair to Sony too, I think the PlayStation five was met with some rough headwinds right out of the gate, you know, because COVID shut down a lot of production stuff as far as like microchips and different things that they need. And then you also had people kind of holding on to their money because they were between jobs or being like, go and people didn't know what was going on. So that whole first year for them was probably, if I had to guess, probably 50 60 percent of what they actually projected they could sell yeah because i'm somebody like you and me do stuff like this for a living so every time a new console comes out i'm usually one of the crazy people standing in line outside gamestop or wherever waiting to get one i couldn't even do that this time because gamestop literally didn't have one to sell me i had to you know go stalk all the websites and just I was trying to get one for content, and I still couldn't get one of the first batch. It took me months. Well, you know, I, I thought I was kind of on an island, you know, as far as how I was treating the current systems. But I've talked to a couple other people in the same situation of just like, well, after a year and a half, two years went by where you didn't get one, we kind of just went, eh, I guess I'm just not going to have one of these new ones. I'll just wait. You know, and I, I don't even think it was like a conscious thought. It was just kind of like at some point I went, eh, I'm not going to chase these down anymore. And then once they were available, like the enthusiasm for it kind of had already passed. So I was like, yeah, I'm kind of involved in other things now or I'm playing more games on my PC or whatever. Yeah. So I'll just wait. You know, or you got a Nintendo. That's what's great about Nintendo Switch. Because, yeah, okay, graphically, it's not as powerful. That means it doesn't need all the chips that, yeah. that uh, Xbox or they, Nintendo was easily able to crank those things out. So a lot of people, their second choice became their first choice, and they found out, wow, Nintendo makes really good games. Dude, the I should have been playing these before. I think the Switch has sold 130 million units. I believe so. yeah. Now I got to go look it up, because I'm pretty sure that's what the number was. Uh, Let's see. Do, 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 do. I should probably just look up all-time system sales. But yeah, Nintendo definitely benefited from the pandemic in a weird way because of the supply issues from the other consoles. And unfortunately, I think it hit both Microsoft and Sony 
kind of to the same level. Yeah, Nintendo Switch has sold 139 million, actually, it says. And people also realized, hey, the Switch has more in common with, you know, my tablet or my iPhone. The Switch is in tune, more in tune with the way people game nowadays, where it needs to be portable. As I say, it had a portable component, which I think was yeah. a big thing. Sony and, and Microsoft are, are, are getting there now, but, you know, that wasn't part of their launch model. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see the new PlayStation announced for like late 2025, maybe in the late summer, early fall, to be like the the Christmas release, Christmas purchase that year. Now you think they're still going to do it? I've been hearing people say, oh my God, it's going to be all digital soon. So you think there will be another um, PlayStation, another Xbox? Probably. I mean, there's still a lot of money for them to make on consoles, you know, at least for now. But I think that is a good discussion to have, right? Because if games go to being all digital, and then there's just not then your console just kind of becomes a vessel for downloading all the stuff like how badly do you need the console right but if you do it in kind of the vision of the switch where there is a handheld component because we're seeing that with the uh crap the thing for steam right the steam deck or whatever right like so if they do go that route then you'll be at least inclined to purchase it and still all the download capabilities or whatever and i could see that being kind of the new generation of consoles, right? They're not just the big box that sits under your TV or whatever, you know, you can do more with it or it ties into other things, right? To your network of stuff at your house. Cause Sony makes a bunch of stuff. Microsoft makes a bunch of stuff, you know, like maybe they tie into other things. Yeah. They don't need you to buy the console necessarily. They just need you in their ecosystem. Yep. And then they'll start selling you things. I, I could see that being a real way too. So it'd be interesting to see what direction they go, but to, to that point, you know, almost a good segue here. What we heard from Microsoft is, well, their Microsoft stuff is just going to start appearing everywhere. <laughs> right? So to speak to the point of not needing a system and being able to download stuff, they kind of said, well, if there's money to be made with us just sharing our titles everywhere, then why don't we just do that? Because as we've talked about before, Sony started doing that with some of their stuff and magically they sold a lot more copies and made more money. Like, go figure. <laughs> Microsoft was playing four-dimensional chess with this, oh, he please help us. You know, we've never won a console war. Oh, poor Microsoft. We should totally let you buy Activision Blizzard and become the largest gaming entity on the planet. That seems fair. But, you know, let's say this, though. Like, looking at all the other games that we talk about that have can cross-platform and whatever they're getting more sales and have more people playing more actively. Hell, Baldur's Gate, when we play, I'm pay playing with a PC. I've got my joysticks over here, whatever. Somebody's playing on their Steam Deck doing their thing or whatever. And it's just like, cool, you can do that, right? I think that's just the way of the future. Like, games are going to end up being more console agnostic, I guess, of just, hey, I just want to play with my friend. Because, you know, back in the day, that sucked. If you, you played all your favorite games on xbox and your friend played on playstation but then y'all both happen to want to play madden you couldn't play against each other right like it's why is that a thing like it shouldn't shouldn't be a problem Tony was part of the reason for a long time because they were just dead set against that and it, it just, the industry just beat it out of them <laughs> they just yeah. realized they were and like we talked about last week the major league baseball deal or major league baseball is like hey the reason we sign up to a video game is to get more young people in to play in baseball. Why is this not on Xbox? Because that's our rival. We don't care. Put it on Xbox. Yep. Or you take it to a studio that will put it everywhere. Right. You know, so 
I'm all for it. it it'd be interesting, though, to see where each of them goes in the future because, you know, everything's about having the Game Pass or a Game Pass equivalent these days. You know, again, a lot of the games are digital, so you don't need hard copies of the games anymore. But we've seen, again, the success of a Switch, the Steam Deck, things like that. So, like, maybe that's just the new direction everything's got to go. They figured out, hey, you know, maybe you can't, if you can't always get, and you want to also be able to get people to get, let's say, 20 million people to get you $70. But you can get maybe a couple of hundred million people to give you $10. Yeah. I mean, that's real. I mean, you just put it within people's budget and you get a lot more sales. And then the people that, you know, the people that made those games, if they sell skins or any other kind of DLC, which almost every game does, like, for example, you know, Sony uh, sold me Dead by Daylight for free. So, hey, whenever any DLC comes out, oh, well, it's only $5. I got the game for free. Here you go. Okay. Yep. Sell me Chucky. Sell me the Alien. It's, it's okay. The game I didn't pay for, I've probably spent $100 in DLC on. Dude, there's so many online games. That's been their model forever. Mm-hmm. You can download it for, hell, League of Legends. You can download it for free, but there's always new skins. There's monthly rewards is all the stuff if you buy their monthly pass or whatever it is like there's always something because you know i'm not just a huge horror person so i mean i probably was eventually gonna get it but when it was free anything free even if i don't think i'm gonna play it they at least sell me at least let you add it to your library so you can download it later if you think you want to play it same thing they offered me for free because hey, somebody else in the family might like it so dead, dead by daylight was the thing i downloaded for free and decided i liked it and then again every time dlc comes out oh yeah i want that character so yeah they said that was the trojan horse <laughs> they sent it in for yep. free it got a hundred dollars probably worth of dlc I, i'm estimating Couldn't nope, be more they, you know that. what they did they looked at you and said first one's free right <laughs> that's that's what they did that's how they got you <laughs> you know that character you love here they are yep now I'll cover our, our topics. We'll, we'll wrap this up with uh, last year. There were some things that went very well for Wizards in the form of Command Fest. And they're exactly what they sound like. Like if you come out, you get to play Commander and there's a bunch of Commander related stuff, usually some new releases. You have content creators doing special pods. So you get to play with them. There's all these different rewards. There's a prize wall, like the whole nine yards. And Wizards said, hey, that went so well. We want to do another round of those. We want to do even more of them and make sure they're all around the world. So we just got that kind of dropped on us this week out of nowhere that there's going to be four events in April in Dallas, San Francisco, Birmingham, England, and in Beijing, China. There's going to be one in Vancouver, Canada in May. In June, you've got Atlanta, Tacoma, Washington, and Guangzhou, China. So China's getting two, which is pretty sweet. And then you have Sydney, Australia in July, and then you've got Shanghai, and then one that's in Southern California, they haven't said the city yet, in Frankfurt, Germany in August. And they said there will be more announced for later in the year. So they're actually, this is cool because other than just taking care of your casual players, your commander players, or whatever, giving people a reason to build their decks and do all that, this is making events more accessible, right? Not everything's going to be a pro tour near you or a Magic Con or whatever, but these can be run by local organizations and still hit up way more cities, which is pretty cool. Because these, I mean, even just in the U.S., you're talking about being on the East Coast in Atlanta, then being in the West Coast in Tacoma and and Southern California, but then also being, you know, in Dallas for one of them. So all over the country, and you consider you have the MagicCon Chicago, you've got uh, MagicCon Vegas later this year. 
So you're hitting up a lot of locations, putting events within reach of people. So this is a lot of good exposure. I think this is really positive. So I'm glad to see that those are being rolled back out. And if you want to meet your favorite creators, that's a good chance to do it in a casual setting. So there you go. Hit those up. But that being said, let's get to the dinner table conversation. And this one's a little weird because as of this recording, we're recording on Valentine's Day. And, you know, as much as I love Brian, we each have our own Valentine's at home. So I mean, kinda... I had got you a gift and never, I mean, you done. I'm just going to make you <laughs> be that way. Be that way. Oh, I'm sure your wife would have something to say about that at this point. That'd be news <laughs> to her, you know. But this is kind of interesting because, you know, and not to like make this a sexist thing, but generally when you're growing up, like women end up being way more attached to Valentine's Day than guys do a lot of the time. So we don't have like a lot of those crazy memories. A lot of it is just like what we've done for other people, you know, like more than what we've had done for us. So that got me thinking, like, how do y'all two treat Valentine's Day? Because for us, we don't even most of the time, like today we're not doing anything. We bought each other stuff yesterday. And then we may go out and eat this weekend or whatever and kind of celebrate. But like, I have a personal belief. I'm kind of weird that like, I hate having days where I'm like, I don't want to use the word force, but like overly encourage to, to express your appreciation for somebody. Right. I, I bothers me on mother's day. It bothers me on Valentine's day. Cause like, if I tell this person regularly, I love them and show them that, like I shouldn't have to have a day that like the world's going to end if I don't do it today. You know what I mean? But then on top of that, we both kind of don't like, the whole, you know, going to the crowded restaurants and having to make reservations and you still have to wait around for 10, 15 minutes because the restaurant's crowded, you know, like we just don't do all that on Valentine's Day. So I have it pretty easy at home. We get to do stuff before or after and we get our get each other little trinkets or whatever. And it's cool. It's not a big deal. But I don't know how y'all treat it. Like, do y'all go out and do something special on the day of or do you celebrate it all? Because, I mean, y'all been together a while. You got kids at home. You know, what's what's it like for y'all? Uh, actually today we are not going anywhere this weekend. We might, we haven't really, cause like you mentioned, when you have kids, that's, you know, that's kind of your first priority and everything else goes around just for this is some examples of things, doctor's appointments. Uh, we got a kid in band. I mean, it's just every day there are 15, obviously podcast and yep, the world uh, don't stop because a holiday happened. <laughs> right. So yeah, we'll probably go out. It'll probably be sometime this weekend. So we're just, you know, kind of exchanging gifts. And the struggle I always have is, you know, people would all, of course, people are all going to ask, you know, your friends, your coworkers, what'd you get for Valentine's Day? And this, you know, it just will ask for stuff because as if, well, if you've seen uh, her YouTube channel, you know that she is always, you know, grocery hauling and then like deep cleaning the oven. So, I mean, it's not unlike her to ask for, ooh, I'd like this new, you know, this new oven cleaning thing I saw. Oh, yeah. See, so like the classic, like if you bought her a vacuum cleaner, that's a good thing for her. But somebody's going to be like, ah, oh, you don't buy right. a vacuum cleaner. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm always nervous. But yeah, my wife legitimately is the kind of person who would ask. For a vacuum cleaner or some kind of I oven cleaning thing. And, and she's not joking. That's what she wants more than anything is, is to figure out how to deep clean that oven. And it just, yeah, I feel like a horrible person, but but I just have nah, to. It's, my it's what she feelings. wants, though. Exactly. I had to put my own feelings aside because 
there have been times where, you know, hey, I'm going to do something way more romantic. And then she'll look at me like. It's just wasted. Like, she yeah, like, she's appreciative, but it didn't do nothing. But, but that wasn't what I asked for. Because yeah. I will say, after being married for for 20 years, we just, at this point, ask each other. We don't try to guess. We're just like, what you want? Yeah, because when, you, when you've disappointed your your significant other on Valentine's Day, you only want that to happen the one time. So now see, mine's just... easy because like she appreciates flowers and things, so you know she got some flowers today or yesterday, you know. But also, I bought her transformers before because she collects some transformers. So it's like, you know, when people are like, "You're gonna get transformers for Valentine's Day." I'm like, "That's what she collects. That's what she wants." Like, what do you, you know, like. Yeah, it's weird, but you know, I know who I'm in the house You're with. You're in the ball like, like me. If she wants Transformers, <laughs> and give her roses. There's gonna be a problem. You know. Now, I do have. I just remember this. I do have an effed up Valentine's Day story that I can share, and this is like to the racism of Texas, because you know, interracial couple going into a restaurant, whatever. And I'm not gonna call it the restaurant because I'm pretty sure this was the employees doing and not the restaurants doing. In hindsight, after we reached out or whatever. But we got, we came in and we got the typical, like, oh yeah, we're going to give you a seat over here, whatever. And like, okay, cool. They sit us down. We're in a booth. And then you realize, like, we're the only ones in that section. And you see the other waitress that's coming to check on us looks a little confused when she comes over because she's kind of like waiting on a whole other area. And she's kind of like, why? You know, and she, you could tell when she realized how messed up it was, but she was also like, try not to rock the boat. Cause I guess the other person probably had some pull or was above her or something. And it was just like, well, at least we got privacy. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. there was that. So you just make the it's most so of it. It's so awkward when you know you're, yeah. you're being a, you're being a tool of the establishment. There's at that point, nothing you can. Yeah. And on. I felt bad Cause like at first we didn't even realize that like, you, you're just like talking, you're going in, sit at your table. Okay, cool. We'll get a waitress over here in a little bit. And then after like a couple of minutes, you kind of go like, well, we're the only ones over here. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? Like it sort of sets in the like, mm, I see what's going down. All right, cool. So yeah, that happens still when you go out. But, well, I mean, you shared, you know, effed up things. So as, as a comedian, I can't not share my. Oh, trauma. sure. What you got? Many. This wasn't my wife. Let me clarify. Many, many okay. years ago, when I was still single, there was this girl I worked with that already was, you know, the first problem. But yeah, I had a huge crush. She knew she had a huge crush, but it was largely unrequited. Then Valentine's Day happened. And the guy that I've been hearing so much about that was way more awesome than me didn't get her anything for Valentine's Day. Mm. That, that, that moment when you realize, you know, that you're, that you're not nearly as important to him. Yeah. That's always tough. It's always tough. To you. And again, like I said, I was head over heels. So, you know what? This is it. This is oh, so you've been a long player. You were like, this is my shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, this seems like obvious thing here. I'm going to go all out. I even asked okay. her out. I just... Yeah, you, you were just going to try to make good and, and show your worth. Yeah. Because, and plus, you know, it legitimately, I, it was painful to, to, to watch her be alone on Valentine's Day. I feel it's like, okay, yeah. I, I, I bought her something. And I mean, I don't know if old boy was just, you know, budgetary restraints, but I'm talking about a couple of days after Valentine's Day, my dude was back. <laughs> like, like yeah. he had never left. Yeah. And of course, 
She took him back. Yep. That's a rough and, story, man. Yeah. I feel like a lot of dudes are going to relate to that one. Hell, a lot of right. people are going to relate yeah. to that one. Probably not even dudes. Yeah, because that goes, to, I'm sure many people yep. have done that. I'm like, I'll even, you know, my, my, my man legitimately apparently cut you loose because he had no intention of buying you a gift. <laughs> and, and, and Yeah. That's rough. That's what I had to realize. Like, yeah, she doesn't want me. She's never going to want me. It's blatantly obvious. Yeah, there's nothing there. And if there's nothing there, you just, you can't make nothing be there. You just had to deal with it and and move on, you know. You know, let me also say, you know, because Valentine's can be a weird time for a lot of people. You know, whether it's you feel left out, not included. Like you're saying, you find out you're not as important to somebody as you think they are. But like, you know what? Take care of yourself first. Exactly. First and foremost, I think a lot of people don't think about that. Don't appreciate it. Like you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. So don't get too tied up and other folks and how other people are seeing you like, and take time to appreciate your friends and family. Even if it ain't like a significant other or lover or whatever, like take time, just appreciate those other people around you. I mean, we say it all the time, but like, don't be afraid to tell your boys you love them. Like, you know, don't be afraid to hug a friend or whatever. Just let them know that you care. If you know somebody's struggling or they're having a tough time, just reach out. Send a message. That's all you got to do. Just or check or on get somebody. your podcast co-host a gift, even if they don't get that's, you. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I will say, like, the, the thing about that story is, like, me and the girl both learned something about the other person that we needed mm-hmm. to learn. She learned her guy wasn't as into her as he really should be. And I learned she wasn't into me at all. And we both needed to learn. Yep. Time to move on. Right. (laughs) But yeah, man, why don't you where they can find you on social media? All right. I am uh, Brian Sonic on Twitter and the gram. So follow me there for more, uh, you know, I guess, uh, videos, video ideas, tweets, stories of woe, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, you can always find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And like I said, if you're watching, be sure to remember, hit the like button, leave a comment. If you are listening, be sure to give us one of those five-star reviews and tell people how much and why you like the show. But as always, wherever you're watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.